Welcome to the Army Talent Management Podcast, where we explore how the Army is optimizing its human capital management practices to develop a ready, professional, diverse, and integrated team of trusted professionals that are prepared to fight and win in a complex world. Talent wins, and winning matters. Good morning, and welcome back to the Army Talent Management Podcast, a podcast that is produced and maintained by the Army Talent Management Task Force. I'm CW5 Rick Knowlton, your host today, along with my guest and good friend, CW5 retired Terry Horner. Our topic today will be a warrant officer talent management, and I have asked Terry to join me because he brings not only a complex and highly successful 30-year career inside the Army to the table, but because of his management of talent throughout his career, he was recruited by senior executives outside of the Army and successfully made the transition to a job where his experience could be applied. He is currently the Director of Government Relations and Business Development at a well-known company here in the D.C. area. Terry, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you, Rick, and uh, I appreciate the kind words. I feel the same way. It really is a pleasure to be here today. I'm just starting my third year on the retirement rolls, and uh, anytime I hear someone mention warrant officer development or talent management, my ears still perk up, and I get excited to hear what is going on with such a fine group of patriots. Talent management is something I really took seriously while in uniform, and it's a tough job, as you well know. With such a small cohort and vast specialized career fields, well, that just adds to the complexity, doesn't it? It does, Terry. Since retiring, it really has become clear to me that the warrant officer is more than just a technician, and the continued focus to help them reach their full potential will no doubt benefit the individual and the Army. Thanks, Terry. We have nine Army Talent Management Task Force Warrant Officer Initiatives I hope to update you on and our listeners today, and a few more we are getting great support with from other teams within our task force. We will get through what we can in the time permitted. Our first three initiatives all require legislative change and reside in Title X. The first two have been combined into one draft proposal titled Updating Warrant Officer Selection and Promotion Authority. This proposal would partially align us with the authorities provided to commissioned officers in the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act. Specifically, we are seeking the authorization to conduct merit-based promotions and to opt out of promotion, and in our case, the opt-out would support deepening technical and tactical skills to experience a required one deep key position necessary for career progression. There were several other authorities provided in 2019, such as brevet promotions and direct commissioning, that are not included, but more on that in a minute. Although we've been successful in the DOD staffing process, including the required buy-in from other services, the hold on non-critical proposals last December in support of the political transition pushed this proposal along with several others into the FY23 legislative process. The good news is we were not deleted, just delayed. That's unfortunate, Rick. But one thing I do know, you won't let it slip through the cracks while you're on the job. And uh, one more thing. Can you please explain the term merit-based promotions? I thought they were all merit-based and the individual's potential to serve in positions of increased responsibilities were taken into account. I'm actually glad you asked that. Sometimes I forget these terms are owed an explanation. Currently, warrant officers still fall under the old U.S. Code Title X requirement where time and grade drives the order of promotions for a particular year. With merit-based promotions, we are able to recognize performance and talent over time and grade. Officer promotion selection boards are now authorized to recommend officers of a particular merit be placed higher on the promotion list. For example, warrant officers selected from the below-zone eligible population 
will most likely be among the officers at the top of the order of merit. This means being promoted in the first month instead of the last month. The percentage of the top tier will vary based on the size of the selected population and the distribution of voting scores from board members. Interesting. You were talking about uh, one deep positions. Can you only opt out to serve in those one deep key positions that you mentioned? The short answer is no. It's not limited to one deep positions, but I highlight the term because so many of our positions across the Army are one deep. On the tech side, our positions are driven by MOS, or Military Occupational Specialty, and most often one deep, especially at the W3 and higher level. Inside a brigade, it's important to not only support having these critical positions filled, but also gaining their required experience before moving up to the next grade. This initiative supports career flexibility. Two points on opting out. One, it's an option for the individual to request. The motivation could and will vary, but the reason needs to be to support the individual's career for growth and not simply to avoid being forced out of the Army because of being passed over. The request to opt out will be vetted by the Army to include with the career manager at HRC to make sure it's the right choice for everyone. Okay. I like that idea of being able to opt out of promotion. There are many very talented and highly technical leaders out there who will thrive in the opportunities you mention. But it is a double-edged sword that will have to be managed very closely. I completely agree with you, too. Yeah, absolutely. For such a small population, one bad apple impacts the reputation of the entire cohort. And I think we've both seen that numerous times. I completely agree with you. The third initiative is getting after Title X reform. Our last major change, known as the Warrant Officer Management Act, was in 1991, exactly 30 years ago. In order to better manage Warrant Officer talent, we are developing a proposal for statutory change to Title X to provide service secretaries more flexibility in managing appointment, promotion, involuntary separation, and retirement for members of the Warrant Officer Active Duty List. Such flexibility would support effective talent management of the force and provide each secretary concerned the ability to develop technical and tactical career paths that meet both personal goals and service-specific requirements. Interesting. I'm happy that the Army is focused on developing relevant warrant officer management changes. Throughout my career, I felt like we were a very important part of the formations we served in, but a bit of a square peg in a round hole, meaning that officers didn't know the developmental needs based on the core competencies required to support the command, and the NCOs were not quite sure what to do with us either. To get the most from this change, the Army will likely require concerted efforts by the larger officer corps to help mold the training and development of the warrant officers to benefit the Army. And I'm not talking about throwing every warrant officer into the same education and training the larger officer corps gets. To have specialized tactical and technical leaders in your formations that live the warrior ethos with such low density is very challenging for most branches. Not an easy problem to solve, for sure, especially when it comes to professional development and talent management. All great points, Terry. Thinking about what you just said, I couldn't agree with you more. In an effort to stay on time today, we'll keep pressing forward. The next three initiatives our Army Directive is written to fill identified gaps in talent management. Initiative number four, direct appointment to CW2. Piloted by the SF branch, Army Directive 2021-19 was approved to recognize the talent of senior NCOs through Precision Talent Management. 
These are selected individuals who, after meeting specific experience and credentialing criteria, were identified amongst selected NCOs and before starting the Special Forces Warrant Officer Technical and Tactical Certification course, were notified of being eligible to possibly graduate and be appointed as CW2s. Even performance right up to the end of the course mattered. This initiative was approved in May of this year and literally implemented the next day for five graduates of the course. A huge win for the effort made by both the graduates and the Army for pushing for change. Wow. Rick, is this only for the specific um, Special Forces career management field? And is there a, uh, a rank the NCO has to be or specific um, NCO education requirements to meet the minimum threshold for direct appointment? Today, yes, it's limited specifically to our Special Forces branch warrant officers earning MOS 180 Alpha. We here at the Army Talent Management Task Force collaborate our initiatives both with those interested in making change to their talent management processes because, frankly, we can't do it alone. Changing big Army systems can be hard. It takes teamwork, it takes time, and this is a systemic change. The great news is we aren't thinking about just today. We are thinking about the future. And so, as an example, we have reps from our Integrated Personnel and Pay System Army, or IPSA team, to ensure we develop functionality in the system in the near future. I should also point out we often pilot initiatives small for testing and then quickly scale up once we have a proven process in place. The scale up here will depend on other branches interested in taking advantage of this initiative. That's good because some of the warrant officer specialties require the experience of senior NCOs to gain the depth required to be an effective and critical member of the warrant officer cohort. That training and experience should not be discounted and just may attract more of the top performing NCOs. All right, we're on to initiative number five. Until July 1st, Army policy prohibited a retired regular Army warrant officer from serving in the Guard or Reserve. Over the next 12 months, we have approximately 600 active-duty warrant officers retiring from the regular Army. Even at exactly 20 years of experience, that's 12,000 years of experience leaving the Army. Both the Guard and Reserve have a shortage of warrant officers with experience, and we have hundreds of warrant officers retiring or recently retired who are interested in continuing to serve in this capacity. I know, I get the emails. To be clear, for those out there who are interested... The first step was to remove the prohibition in both Army Reserve and Army National Guard policy for warrant officers on the regular Army retired list. Now that Army Directive 2021-28 has been approved, the actual onboarding process for each compo is being developed by them. Also in July, Army Regulation 637-1, which is Army Compensation and Entitlements Policy, was published to address the waiver requirements to avoid double-dipping between retirement pay and military pay and allow the individual to select which form of compensation they would prefer to receive. Interesting. I wonder what the percentage of retirees we think will sign up for this. If my email inbox is any indication, this and merit-based promotions bring the most interest in from the field. Hmm. How does it affect their retirement pay and years of service for that pay? The plan in development is for it to be adjusted over time. I'd add that the intent is also to be eligible for future promotions if the rank applies. Is there a process for getting those who are not living up to the Army values out of the program? I'm glad you asked that, Terry, because it was also asked during development discussions. Once on board, the same Army standards apply as they do for everyone else, both in discipline and retention. 
Length of contracts will be determined by each component. The overall intent is to improve both permeability between our compos and, of course, talent management. So they have to take the Army PT test. Yes, absolutely. Good, good. And I would actually say the new ACFT, which is a real challenge, honestly. Oh, awesome. Well, I, I think fit soldiers are good soldiers. Looking back on my time in uniform and the sacrifices of selfless service, I wonder if this is something that can last. We're not spring chickens. And let's face it, being in the Army isn't as easy at this age. Many thanks to those who take this challenge. And thank you to the families that support such great Americans and citizen soldiers. All right, we're at initiative number six, Army Directive 2021-31, Managing W-1 Active Date of Rank for Aviation Warrant Officers. I want to address a couple common questions we get regarding who this applies to because the directive lists all three compos, regular Army, Army National Guard, and the U.S. Army Reserve. The policy applies to regular Army active duty W-1 student aviators who did not graduate prior to 1 October of this year. Here's how this came about. In December 2015, the Chief of Staff of the Army directed a holistic review of Army aviation to assess the Army's ability to meet strategic readiness requirements in light of global demand on evolving mission and continued resource constraints. The Holistic Aviation Assessment Task Force, or HADF as it was called, recommended time and grade for Aviation W-1s be increased to support required development time being lost by compressed promotions. Looking further back, the National Defense Authorization Act of 1991 and the subsequent Warrant Officer Leader Development Act, or Action Plan, called WOLDAP, signed into policy in 1992 standardized career models for all Army Warrant Officers. Because of WOLDAP, up or out promotion cuts occur nearly two years sooner than prior to 1993. For the CWT population, the loss of 14 to 20 months consumed in flight training also means less time to master their trade as a pilot in command prior to their functional specialties such as instructor pilot or maintenance test pilot. The HADF recommended adding one year time and grade for aviation W-1s, a total of three years instead of two, and further assess the potential of appointing aviation warrant officer candidates to W-1 upon graduation from flight training. We did not pursue going back to being a candidate all through flight training, but we did want to address the concern behind the HADF recommendation. At the request of the aviation branch, we proposed increasing the developmental time by upon graduation from training, W-1s then would serve two years' time and grade prior to automatic promotion to CW-2. This reduces the risk of having CW-2s who are not fully mission qualified both in flight training and in the field. Is there pushback to this? Do you think there will be uh, recruiting or retention issues? We've had some, and that was expected. There is certainly a definitive line between the opinion from those who have not yet graduated and those who have some experience behind them. I think we could have done a better job of messaging to the lowest level. And in this case, I mean all the way back to those thinking about taking the step to become aviators. Ideally, it makes for a healthy and revealing conversation in an interview. It wouldn't have deterred my decision, not for a second, as long as I got to fly. Assessions will be watched closely as they already are. You know, I would have still, I would have done whatever they asked just to get to fly. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. And, and honestly, it still seems like it was yesterday. Yeah. Regarding retention, because of the 10-year service obligation and a different retirement system in play, 10 years from now, it will be interesting to monitor and will take time to play out. 
Yeah, I applaud this effort. Pressure on young aviation warrant officers is immense to track soon after arriving to their unit, causing many to not spend enough time really digging into the learning and technical development required to succeed as senior warrant officers in the aviation branch. You cannot replace the development of a warrant officer as a non-tracked pilot in command. There is a bunch of learning and leading going on in those early years, and I am glad the Army has given them the time back to develop. I completely agree with you. Okay, moving to number seven, expansion of competitive categories for promotion. This is about precision talent management as compared to aggregate industrial-aged assembly line promotions. Our focus is on developing a better method of recognizing the incredible diversity of talent unique to the warrant officers of our Army. Currently, our promotion board has only two categories, aviation and technical services, or aviation and the rest, I say. Although this works out well for aviation, it certainly isn't appropriate for the wide range of requirements we have for each of the remaining branches. Rank ordering aviators against one another makes relative sense. But does it make the same sense to compete an SF guy to an HR tech to a legal, cyber, and MI all in one category? No, it doesn't. I'm glad you're actually working on this. Each career management field should set floors and ceilings based on the needs of the Army and that branch. This is wonderful. We both served with so many talented CW2s and CW3s that were not promoted based on a low density and generalized promotion system. This brings up a key fundamental change we want to get at, precision talent management through precision management of each promotion category. If we expand the categories from the current two to nine, based on the nine centers of excellence, we begin to focus on development of each grade and MOS. Professional military education and the requirements for promotion become synchronized. This requires work, but each of the COEs have been putting these KSBs together, developing profiles by MOS and grade to build a clear and identifiable career path. Once created, these same ideal profiles could help shape the desired KSBs for promotion. This would be published for all to see. Each branch knows we could do a better job. This supports low-density talent management requirements to ensure we select and retain the right people at the right place at the right time over time. Rick, hopefully this helps refine the process and retain the leaders with the most potential for increased uh, responsibility. I mean, I really applaud it. It's, It's awesome. Well, Terry, from your perspective, could you explain how promotions and talent management work in the civilian sector? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Promotions are much different in the civilian sector, but um, most promotions come with movement to a new company. No loss of loyalty is just how the system works. There are only so many promotions from within, and everyone's trying to find uh, talented people to make their company more profitable and compete in the market. Not that they don't value the individual, but without profits, there's no company. So that's that's fascinating. So instead of a PCS from one unit to the next, you're actually to get promoted. You're you're moving from one company to another as a way of moving up. Yeah, and not everybody does, but um, the, the vast majority of people switch companies as a part of the promotion. Promotions inside of a company are usually determined by relationships and performance. Yep, you guessed it. You must do more than just do your job. It starts with drive from within, learn to work with other people and be a good teammate, influence without authority, and demonstrate the capabilities in your resume. Hmm, sounds a lot like a warrant officer to me, doesn't it, Rick? 
Well, I wish he, I wish everyone could see the grin on my face because before I even had a clue what he was going to say, I'm thinking you're defining how I grew up. So <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, we still have to, we still have to do online um, training for you know all the normal training that you have to do in the army, and we still we don't call it an OER support form, but we call it performance management, and um, and it's just like filling out a uh, OER support form. I guess what I'm really saying is the things that make a person successful in the Army are the same things that make those uh, individuals successful outside the Army. The difference is why you continue to serve. Yeah, that's fascinating. Good discussion. All right, we got to keep moving. So we're at number eight. Next is selective continuation or CELCON management. The Army, by empowering the nine Army COEs, confirming the critical shortages validated by our team in the G1, down to the SQI or Special Qualification Identifier, this is Precision Talent Management of Warrant Officer Selective Continuation. It addresses low-density, critical readiness requirements to ensure we select and retain the right people. Another challenge to CELCON is reducing the voluntary departure of warrant officers after being passed over one time on the promotion board. Understandably, these professionals begin to consider alternative courses of action beyond staying in the Army. The Army loses talent and experience as individuals decide to avoid the possibility of being forced out and make decisions with their family and commit to departing on their own terms. Once this decision is made, it is nearly impossible to change. I know, I've had these conversations with really good people. Even being selected for CW5 doesn't usually change minds of the committed. Jobs outside of the Army have been accepted and houses have been purchased. If the Centers of Excellence and G1 data can inform the promotion board of MOS and SQI positions considered critical, why not share this information with the career managers and the individuals themselves? If he or she is in a critical shortage MOS and or SQI, regardless of promotion status, being eligible for CELCON means stability in a job, usually for at least three more years, a guaranteed increase in retirement benefits, and continued eligibility for promotion that current year and each additional year in service. This increases transparency while providing choice and flexibility. It also provides additional stability for the professionals who could continue to deepen their technical and tactical skills while supporting Army readiness requirements. You know, when I was serving, retention was really challenging, especially for this population. So I think this is a great idea, and I'm really glad you're tackling it. I have always thought that the CW3 and 4 should not be an up or out type uh, situation. I have long thought that that specific group was critical to our formations, but we cannot afford to retain the bad apples again and the bottom half performers. By that, I mean that we should not retain those who have not bought in on the Army and accepted their role as senior leaders responsible to the command and soldiers they lead. Yeah, I agree, Terry. And, you know, just a note, a side note on this, too. More than 30 years ago when they were developing the CW5 rank, that was actually one of the discussions being made. They did not want that rank to turn into an upper out force for those CW4s, but we see how it played out. It's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't, you can't predict the future. All right, number nine, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
The Army Talent Management Task Force has been tasked to develop a DEI implementation plan for officers, warrant officers, and enlisted ranks. The commissioned officers have completed their initial task of creating their plan, and both the enlisted team, along with myself and CW4 Dempsey, are putting together our respective plans. The goal of each of these plans will be to operationalize the Army People Strategy and the DEI Annex. So that completes all nine of the primary initiatives that we are getting after in the Talent Management Task Force. I do want to take a minute just to talk about some of the other key and essential elements of what our team is doing as we cross-cut with our other teams on the task force to make sure that we are including warrant officers in these programs. So most of you have heard of the AIM Marketplace. AIM 2202 is open. If you listen to podcast episode six, leveraging the assignment marketplace to attract top talent, you'll get more insights. But we have input on on how warrant officers are managed inside of AIM, and we've been able to improve various parts of that uh, program, toggling, etc., so that we could see SQIs and specific MOS requirements for our warrant officers. The Army Coaching Initiative has launched, and we are included in that program as well. We are eligible to be both coaches and to be coached. Also, an Army company-grade retention counseling uh, program is being developed, and we are being included in that as well. There are a few others, but we are running short on time. Now, I like the fact that um, you're having podcasts to explain the marketplace. It's challenging to understand how to be successful in it. And, you know, one thing that I've always learned in my 31 years of service is that talent always rises to the top. So, If you're out there and you're doing well, I think that keep reaching out and using these systems that Rick just described. I think that'd be very helpful to you. You know, the Army's never going to love us back, Rick. They never loved me back, never going to love any of us back. By that, I mean selfless service is required by all those who lead our nation's most valuable asset, the soldier. And um, and, and I think every day about the soldier and, and, you know, the importance of them to our nation. As it comes to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, we should all do our best every day to treat people with dignity and respect, those with hair and those without. You know, there's a book called The Armed Forces Officer, I think it was written in 1951, and in there, the author talks about treating everyone like they are a blood relative. That might not work for everybody, but I think you get the point. And for your listeners, please don't lose sight of why the Army exists to deter adversaries and compel action from those that are not deterred. It got me interested in this book, that's for sure. It's a great book. I just read it a couple of years ago, right after I retired. And I'm telling you, Rick, it, uh, the principles of today were in there in 1951. And I'm amazed. Uh, you've certainly whet my appetite on that one. Well, Terry, looking from the outside in, do you have any thoughts or advice on talent management for our listeners out there? To be blunt, it isn't easy being in the Army, as you all know, and just as challenging out here in corporate America, but in different ways. They both fight to retain talented folks, but the difference is uh, in the individual, you know. You serve your nation for different reasons than you do a company. People join for many different reasons, but they stay for just a few. Well, we're definitely in a war for talent. Absolutely. And generally about the 10-year mark, you know, about the time you become a a senior non-commissioned officer, a CW3, a uh, major, you know, the individual really knows if the Army's for them or not and if it fits their family. And that's usually about the time when you see the selfless uh, leaders emerge in the individuals. So I find those people and um, focus on them 
folks that want to stay, also want to be successful, and they're looking to promotions and position selections to determine uh, what is success. Some of your initiatives here are getting after this because when you promote or reward with assignment those not worthy, it creates a false sense of what is successful in the, in the junior officer's mind. And for the listeners, be present. Not a spotlight ranger, not a fly on the wall. Be present. Contribute to your organization. Lead informally and formally in all that you do, and you'll find great reward in your career as a soldier. The Army values and your reputation is what makes a soldier successful in the Army and your transition and really is uh, your market value on the outside. You know, Terry, that is all great advice, and it just reminds me, honestly, of why you're a great friend of mine. So thanks, and thanks for joining us as well. Absolutely. It looks like our time has come to close this episode of the Army Talent Management Podcast. All of us here at the task force thank CW5 retired Terry Horner for joining us today, sharing thoughts and insights while providing a valuable and much appreciated perspective from not only outside of the task force, but from outside of the Army as well. Army Talent Management Podcast is a product of the Army Talent Management Task Force. Thanks for joining us today and please engage. We welcome your feedback for this one and every other podcast along with recommendations for future talent management topics. Please subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and for more information, visit our talent management website at talent.army.mil. Thanks for joining us today. Talent wins and winning matters. The Army Talent Management Task Force would like to thank our listeners for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information on Army Talent Management initiatives, or if you have an idea for a future podcast, please visit our website at talent.army.mil. Don't forget to share with your colleagues.